You're listening to Missing and Murdered Women, a podcast. My name is Coda, and I am a woman who has always been interested in the psychology behind crimes, what makes a person likely to commit a crime, and what can lead a person to fall victim. I studied psychology in college and attempted a minor in criminal justice. I am by no means an expert in criminal justice or criminal psychology. I didn't even complete my degree, but I've never gotten over my fascination with true crime and wanting to help give a voice to people who have been silenced. This fascination especially applies to crimes against women, especially once I learned that the World Health Organization has called violence against women a world health crisis. On this, the third episode of Missing and Murdered Women, I'm going to tell you the story of Holly Bobo, who was a nursing student living with her family when she disappeared right outside her home in 2011. Let's get into it. In 2011, Holly Bobo was a nursing student at the Tennessee Technology Center and living in her family home in Parsons, near Memphis. She was 20 years old, 5'3 and 110 pounds, and a performer as well as an aspiring nurse. She often showed off her skills while singing at church and in talent shows at school. She was last seen on April 13, 2011, around 8 a.m. outside of her family home, described as wearing a pink shirt and jeans. Her brother, Clint Bobo, heard her outside arguing with a man whom he assumed to be her boyfriend, Drew Scott. Clint watched out a window of the home as the man, who did not match Drew's physical description, led Holly into the woods behind the family home. The man, Clint later described, was between 5'10 and 6 foot, 180 to 200 pounds, with dark colored hair long enough to cover his neck and reach his collar. He was wearing a camo getup described in pattern as either mossy oak or leafy wear. She was never seen again. 250 sheriff's deputies, dogs, and helicopters participated in the initial search. Authorities were able to track Holly's phone pings from missed calls. The trail began at the Bobo home and moved north towards I-40. The phone was then stationary for about half an hour. Then the pings switched direction and began moving south. The phone eventually stopped receiving pings at the location where her phone and SIM card would eventually be found. Just six days later, Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam approved a $50,000 reward for information leading to finding Holly or who took her. This was in addition to the $25,000 reward that has already been posted by Holly's community. Altogether, there was a potential $75,000 for information leading to Holly's recovery. Authorities also began questioning local sex offenders, but gained no insight into the case. For the next three years, the Bobo family lived in uncertainty, hoping each day for the return of their sister, daughter, and partner. Sadly, Holly Bobo's partial remains were discovered by a hunter in 2014. They had been left near I-40, where Holly's phone had stopped pinging the day she went missing. After an examination, authorities found a bullet wound on the base of her skull and ruled her death a homicide via gunshot wound to the neck. At the time the body was discovered, there were still no leads or suspects, but the break in the case did come eventually from an unrelated stop. John Dellen Adams was brought in on unrelated weapons charges for felony lawful possession. Dillon, who was labeled as intellectually disabled, confessed to visiting his brother Zachary Adams the day Holly went missing. 
He said that Zachary had Holly at his home, as well as another friend named Jason Autry. Dylan further confessed that Zachary told him he had raped Holly and recorded it on a videotape, but no such tape was ever recovered. Dylan's confession led to the arrest of himself, his brother Zachary, and Zachary's friend Jason, as well as a fourth man named Shane Austin. The narrative presented at trial was that Zachary and Dylan had gone with Shane to the Bobo home to teach Clint how to make methamphetamine, and Holly had come out of the house, quote, screaming and hollering for the three men to leave. The men then kidnapped her, with Shane Austin dragging her into the woods because he was the only one who matched the physical description. Except, Clint had described a man with long brown hair, and Shane had short red hair. The three men were then alleged to have raped Holly in the shed belonging to Austin's grandmother. Autry agreed to cooperate for a lesser sentence and admitted to helping dispose of evidence but said he was not a part of the original crime or murder. He said that he went to his cousin, Shane Austin's house, to buy drugs, and the three men were there getting rid of evidence. He testified that Zachary had Holly's body in the back of his white truck, wrapped in a multicolored blanket, and that Shane was burning evidence in a barrel. Autry helped dispose of the body, so he and Zachary Adams drove to the Tennessee River under I-40. They planned to disembowel Holly so that she would not float, but quickly realized that she was still alive. Adams then fired the final shot to kill her into the back of her head. They were worried someone may have been alerted by the gunshot, so they loaded Holly's remains back into the truck and dumped her body near Kelly's Ridge. However, this was not the place where Holly was ultimately found, and there was no explanation to how or why she was moved. Zachary Adams' girlfriend of the time, Rebecca Earp, testified in court that he had threatened to tie her up like he did Holly, and no one would ever see her again. Dylan also said that he was threatened that he would end up in a hole beside Holly if he told anyone what had happened. Many details of the story presented at trial were inconsistent with what Dylan had originally confessed to, and his confession differed from known evidence. He later recanted his confession and said that police had coerced him. There was very little actual evidence in the trial other than eyewitness accounts and two pieces of paper, a receipt and a note, belonging to Holly that were found on the road where Austin lived. Additionally, one neighbor claimed to have seen a white truck matching Zachary's near the Bobo home when Holly was abducted. The weapon supposedly used was a 32 caliber Smith & Wesson long revolver, which a local man tipped police off to. That man said that he had sold the gun to cousins Austin and Autry, in exchange for drugs. The weapon was recovered in water, which stopped police from being able to get any DNA or fingerprints. Zachary was the first to go to trial, and his defense argued his innocence, saying that Autry had lied for leniency and had only been able to make up his story because he had access to all of the details through discovery, because he was also a defendant. The defense also noted that Zachary's phone pings did not match Holly's, and that none of the men matched Clint Bobo's description. Despite all of this, Zachary was found guilty and sentenced to life plus 50 years. Dylan entered an Alfred plea and received 35 years. Autry, who has been serving time for a separate gun crime, has not yet been sentenced. Shane Austin never made it to trial and was found deceased in February while in custody in Lexington, Tennessee on charges of theft and burglary. He had completed suicide. Two other men were arrested in relation to the case, Jeffrey and Mark Piercy. 
Jeffrey's former roommate, Sandra King, tipped off police that she had been shown the alleged video of Holly's rape by Jeffrey in May 2014. She said she only saw a small clip and did not see the assault. She then made a recorded phone call for police telling Jeffrey that, That video of Holly, if it had been you, I would have watched it. Jeffrey replied, I know. Sandra also alleged that the video had been filmed by Jeffrey Brothers Mark. This did not line up with Dylan or Jason Autry's stories, and the videotape has never been recovered, so the charges of accessory and tampering with evidence were dropped. Holly was buried in Lafferty Cemetery in Bath Springs, Tennessee. The inscription on her headstone, which is black garnet with her senior picture on top, reads, Daughter of Dana and Karen, sister of Clint, girlfriend of Drew, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Bill 413. Thank you so much for listening to the third episode of Missing and Murdered Women, about the murder of Holly Bobo. I hope you join me on this journey to tell the stories of women who have had their voices taken from them. New episodes come out every Saturday. In the meantime, you can reach out with comments, suggestions, or corrections to at the MMWpod on Twitter or Instagram, or email me directly at missingandmurderedwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Sources are cited in the show notes, as well as sources for music and links to all of the show's social media accounts. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends or leave us a review. Stay safe and come back next week. Welcome to Cold Brew, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Brewer, and I'm inviting you to grab your coffee and join me every other Monday as I share these stories with you case by case. From an unsolved small town triple homicide to an axe murdering wife, and even an unidentified serial killer that is still out there and could possibly live in my neighborhood, we'll cover facts, theories, conspiracies, and even false media nonsense. You can listen to Cold Brew now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow me on social media at Cold Brew Crime to learn more. See you soon.